0: Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today, once again, I'm joined by Paul Third as we continue our interview with former Aberdeen manager Alex Smith. If this is the first you're hearing of our Alex Smith interview, I'd go back to last week's episode and listen to that one, part one first, before you tackle this one, because this week we'll be starting off straight away with Alex detailing how he found Paul Mason, the 1989 League Cup final hero in Holland, as well as telling us how he broke the news to young star Ian Jess that he'd be starting that final against Rangers at Hamden. Alex also tells us how he broke the news to Reds legend Willie Miller that he wouldn't be playing in the 1990 Scottish Cup final against Celtic, and how Brian Irvin told him that he puts faith in God um, ahead of scoring the decisive penalty in that game. We also close on uh, more disappointing um, reflections. Alex telling us about Aberdeen missing out on the league title in 1991 when it came down to the final day against Rangers at Ibrox and Alex also briefly reflects on what went wrong the following season when he departed Patodry. But yes, let's get into it. Part 2 of Northern Goals Interview with Alex Smith. Well, Alex, thanks for, for joining us for part two and continuing to talk us through your, your life in football. We obviously got up to we got up to about nineteen eighty nine last time, so today we're getting yeah, into hi. all of the fun stuff with Aberdeen. We've done a little bit of Aberdeen, but we've not We've not gotten the two, I suppose, key achievements of your reign, which was the the nineteen eighty nine League Cup and the nineteen ninety Scottish Cup win. I think they were both yeah. achieved in slightly different fashions, um, but yeah, let's let's talk about the nineteen eighty nine League Cup final first of all. Obviously, Paul Mason was was the hero that day in the two one win against Rangers. What what are your memories yeah. that, of that game? And also, obviously, Paul signed uh, Paul Mason was a huge signing for you.
1: Oh, I Paul. Uh Paul was a great signing for us actually, and it was just after after we had we had signed uh, Theo, and uh, I I had watched Paul Mason play. I, I think I told I think I told you about I I'd kind of watched him for I like for my was looking for a right back, and luckily for me he was only five foot eight, so that's six inches too small to play fullback in England. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I did watch him the same time as I was supposed to watch Snelders, but Snelders was injured, and uh, so I could concentrate on him quite a bit. And he, and he was a really good player. He was comfortable on the ball. He was getting the ball back. He was a great positional play. He played what uh, he played wing back, uh, right here uh five, you know. And uh, he created. He could dribble with the ball, run with it, get nice crosses in. He was a really good all-round player, and this boy was going to be available. He was from Liverpool, and he was wanting to go back home. So uh, they won. They won five-two, and he scored a couple of goals. I was very impressed with him. I didn't get a chance to talk to him there, but uh, uh, I, I was late. What I saw, I was quite excited about him. So when I when I go back, uh, uh, I got a phone call from Sir Alec, and uh, he was looking for a the rundown, and and I said to him right away, yeah, he's a very good player, uh, he's comfortable on the ball, and I told him all the things I've just told you, there, and uh, they are not uh, not play for Manchester United in, in the Premiership of England a right back and why not I said because it's not big enough I'll we'll get caught at the back post a lot and you'll lose goals in that area uh, bear in mind uh, you know what it's like down there and all the challenges you have to have and meet uh, free kicks and corner kicks and these kind of set of pieces that you put, they put you under pressure with so I said it'll be, it'll be a problem but he can play and he, and he says hey, listen then he got telling me that he, he can't play for Manchester United you're at it I said oh no I'm I'm telling you the truth <laughs> and I says anyway I said uh, that's the on him, you know, and uh, that's my opinion so uh, we can, uh, if you can take a four to the and see if you want to take him in uh, then that's fine. If you don't, if you, if you let me know, if you don't do anything on the, the fourteen days, I'll, I'll make a move for the boy. And the boy was in the home and, and in, in Liverpool at the summertime. It was, yeah, you know, so he was in Liverpool, and I spoke to him the next time. So it was uh, quite comfortable to get him up to Aberdeen.
2: When you look at that cup final in '89, obviously that's the third. Aberdeen Rangers final in a row, as it as it, it was, was at that. the time. I mean, how much had yes. what had happened in the two previous cup finals come into the thinking or the 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 process and the build up to that game at Hamden?
1: Well, in that game itself, was uh, we we had quite a a difficult uh, run through it, and, and I kind of just mean that the, I think the the quarters and the semis. Was Hearts and Dundee United, I think. Uh, there were hard games, and we got through. I'd have to check that, but uh, we got through to the final. And of course, everybody was well aware the two finals we had lost unluckily in both of them. I think. I think the Aberdeen played very well in the first one, and were unfortunate to to lose to a penalty kick, or penalty kicks. Uh, and uh, the, my first one I the second one Against them was was a, was a very good game It was a, an even game It was Pretty end-to-end uh, I think we were one up And then it was one each And then we were two two one up and Then yeah. it was two each I think it went at that I think we equalised I like, think it two each I think Dodgy did that And then They scored again And then we equalised and in the last minute, a uh, couple of minutes, they scored the winner. I think it was McCoy that, that scored it. And and we are taking it right to the last kick of the ball. So uh, it was very disappointing to lose that one.
0: So that must fire you up for the next year?
1: Uh that ended up uh, very disappointing. So, uh, And when we went through the, the following year, again, we went through some tough rounds to get there. Uh, and we were we were actually stronger. We had we had the Dutch players at that time. Paul was Paul Mason was in Van der Acht was in Heelhouse, still he hadn't arrived by that cup final. I don't think he was no in that game. He, but uh we were doing well. We 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 had started the season well, we were competing at the top of the league along with Rangers who we were always second to Rangers I don't think Rangers uh, Celtic whatever, in front of you Other than the United no Hearts, no hips it's only Rangers all the time and uh, when we went into that game it uh, was one of these ones where you're going into play for a year in a row you need to we need to win it we have to win it this time uh and the boys were determined that was going to be the case. Uh so when we went we we uh brought in Ian Jess in the final and that was a surprise to a lot of people. But Ian had started to come into the first team and he was showing a lot of great promise uh and when we went with the, with the team, we had Ian playing right over three up front. Uh, Charlie Charlie was through the middle and Paul Mason was in there as well someplace. Uh, so in, in the morning of the game, we, we used to go down in the Friday afternoons and stay over at the airport hotel and we had a retraining training session at 11 o'clock. Just sort of loosen up, get the boys out. We loosen up, we kick the ball. And then pre-match lunch, and to the Hamden. So we're training. A pool young Ian Jess over. He was only 17 and a half or something at the time. And I said, is your parents coming, son? He says, aye, right, my mum and dad's coming. Oh, that's good. They're coming down. I says, Well, uh, that's good because you're going to be playing today. You're going to be playing, I'm going to play you today. And he looked at me, his, his eyes nearly popped to his head, you know. <laughs> uh, and I looked and he says, Are You kidding me? I says, No, I'm not kidding you. You're playing, Why Do You See you Up Front? You're playing with Nicholas and Mason and Jim Bett and Robert Connor." McKimmy's behind you and Alex on that side behind you as well so you're okay be fine get in touch with your mum and dad if you can it was before the mobiles remember uh, and uh, you can let them know that you're playing but tell them not to tell anybody and don't you tell anybody else other than name to if I hear it Are you right? oh, I'll not be playing <laughs> so, you're playing <laughs> I, I all so you're playing and he scooted away up the top end of the park he's running away, run away from me he's running away up on that full pace to the top of the park and run back again and ask me if I was kidding them all, <laughs> 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 all right, so how I says you're playing and and he justified himself in the game. You know, he was he was outstanding.
0: Yeah. Did you? And any,
1: any time see Cluttons here You know, he's he's like a schoolboy.
0: but it was fantastic. Um, in Terms of the game itself, obviously. Paul Mason, as we've discussed, he's the the two goal hero on the day. he Heads Aberdeen in front, I think. But then. Obviously, Rangers' goal that they got back was pretty controversial. <laughs> I think it was Alex, I, Ali McCoy that went down under, um, we'll say, not much contact from Willie Miller. Willie will still, still tell us and, that uh, today, that's for uh, sure. I think it shows you how much uh, football has changed a little bit when you see how aggressively Alex McLeish and Willie Miller surround the referee. I say surround him. Bump, oh, yeah. Both bumping him uh, from both ab- sides. Absolutely. Well, you know, the ball was
1: The ball was played into the box, eh? And and uh, Ali, done his usual, went to turn on Willie, and Wally was clever enough to kind of just step off him slightly, but still keep close enough to make sure they wouldn't get a shot in. And of course, Ali, being uh went down, and Charles Smith, referee, gave the penalty, and I was really up, oh, I was going mad, and then scored a good first goal. I mean, Mason had. Uh, you know, got, got, us, got us in front one one and one nil and playing well, and, and this goal allowed them back into the game. Uh, and for a while after that, the game became a, a, a tactical one where, you know, we had to defend properly. And, and the one thing that we had at the time was players that could defend a game like that. I mean, McKimmy, McLeish, Miller, and Robertson were outstanding. His defenders. The big, big field was doing his stuff in goal, looking as if he, you know, he, he, could, he, could, he could lose a goal through open play. And of course, in the middle of the field, we had a very strong midfield as well, with Jim Bett being run out, the, the key man running the game as he usually did. Him and Robert Connor, they were, they were strong. And, they were, and at the time, they, they were all, they had been used to. He used to playing big games in Glasgow, big finals and playing the old firm in the finals and, and, and big league matches. They, they, they could handle it. He knew you were only a great chance of still winning the game. And uh, it was pretty, uh, even Stephen did. And, and actual fact, there were stages in the game, Rangers, we, we, were, we had played better in the game than we lost a year before in terms of real football the game has gone on and you're looking for the world and you know at that stage that one goal is going to one goal is going to decide it you know it's exciting but it's it's very very you know easily lost so we had a team that would who were confident would keep us in the Mm -hmm. game and we had the players that could win it and we got the goal of course the goal came from an unorthodox uh build up the forced a throwing. throw throw up the top left hand side. And um David Roberts you knew it was a great long story, the ball who had been outstanding in the game. He got himself up and got on the ball and heaved it into the box and it fell off. Paul knocked it low in the corner of the net, I think. And uh it was it was a battle for the end the end of the game to, to get there. But uh I can always remember how oh, I was quite friendly with Terry Boots is he just stayed round the corner from me in Farm. When, uh, when the whistle went, trying to whistle, the ball landed at Big Terry in the centre of the circle at Hamden, kicking up to the goal to the left of the main stand, And he picked the ball up and he booted it as high as he could and we up it to the top hey? <laughs> and it, uh, well, I was an absolute statues. And Grail Suez was in the director's box at Hamden, uh, as I was, but most of us were uh, suspended. At that time, the SFA were fining you and going to hang you if you had sh- your shoelaces.
0: <laughs>
1: I hadn't been suspended for that. There was some kind of comment I made to. Glasman, and 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 again, and there's evidence. I got a year of suspension and a thousand pound fine, and I, I was in the stand. A thousand pound fine, but people them people and getting, getting bail for a thousand pounds. That was it. So I was up there and jockey and Drew was down in the dugout. Well, down in the dugout. So had the phones I had the phones and I went mad about it it was great as soon as I got up they come down behind me in the corner and they shoot my hands and got we each other and they said you know you were better last year and we were better today I said well you see you don't have to play well to win you can play the right way and you win the game that's how you're judged <laughs> Oh, it, was right. it, was always, it was always tough to take when you, you won and when you lost these things, but uh, at management level I was always handled properly because it was fine.
0: Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information.
2: I guess the flip side of it is having won your first domestic trophy at Hamden. You're back at the end of that season, obviously, um, to play the other half of the, the old firm. Um, it, let's be honest, it wasn't a classic <laughs> final, <No. laughs> final. Yeah, but a historic one, the first one to go no. To, no. to penalties. But hey, it doesn't matter how you win it, like you've you've said repeatedly. it's. learning supporters
1: all say that to me whenever they meet me. And they jump and cuddle me, and they jump up and down, and I'm a legend. And I'll always be a legend that, that I won the Cup for the first time for 40-odd years. And, and, uh, and, uh, but they didn't think it had been a bad game. They think it was it was a good game, so they won it, and they won the Cup. So Aberdeen fans in that game uh, were absolutely mm-hmm. delighted as well. They... they so to win a cup final is a big thing to win it against to win it against one of the old firms is massive you know it's massive I mean it's not supposed to happen in this world that we live in you go in there and uh, you're supposed to play well you know a lot of teams are playing really well but they they want other things to go their way and, they, they're, and they're difficult with teams to, to beat in their own patch in, a, in games like that so When you win a game and how you win it's it's not really so important as winning it in half and that's that's what what happened on that game we deserve to we deserve to win it although we didn't play as silky football as we did the year before
2: It's fascinating to me that the, the, the Celtic Scottish Cup final there's so many stories of that one obviously there's Theo's penalty save and Brian Irvine being the unlikely uh, match winner from the spot but there's also Charlie Nicholas has taken a penalty against the club oh, he's yeah. joining and of course yeah, th- your decision to leave Willie out because he'd tried everything absolutely. to try and get fit for that f- game That's right, Willie, Willie had
1: battled for, for a long time, almost a, a year to get uh, fit and uh, whilst he was battling to get fit uh, our team were winning and um, Brian Nylverton was uh, playing outstandingly well with Alex but that was making really even more determined to be fit because he had been the only captain uh, in, in that history of the club in that part of the history of the club to have lifted the trophies so he was a big, big, uh, big, big guy for us. And although I didn't make a lot of, about it, there was a big, massive pressure on us to play Willie. Yeah. And uh, every Aberdeen fan was thinking that Woolley would be playing. Celtic thought Woolley would be playing. Semi-final, Pinecastle, we went down there and we... Played so well at Pencastle against Dundee United. Dundee United were, had a good, were in a good run. And we went there and, and we were outstanding in the game. We won we, we 4 nothing, as you know. And Big Ryan scored two to go. So yeah, he, he was outstanding. So, so that made up my mind that we've won that game. We're in the final of the cup. We were then going to play Celtic at uh, uh, Celtic Park, well, Celtic Park at Hamden. But we had a league game to play Celtic 10 days before the final in Glasgow. Yep. Celtic needed to win that game, or to draw the game, to qualify for Europe. So we went that night. Celtic Park and we played five or six young players Chess and Booth Stephen Wright and Greg Watson uh, uh, Ian Robertson and Willie Miller Willie had been playing a couple of reserve games and they looked really out of sort he was completely out of touch he was struggling but he played them He was better the second game. He was the first one. And he was desperate to get there. Desperate to get played. So I decided I would play Willie at Celtic Park on the Friday night and see how he was. But I was always convinced I would be playing the semi-final team. They had been outstanding in the semi-final. And that was going to be the final team. And I was in my mind thinking that that's how I'm going to play him if Wally makes it, it's going to be a miracle. So that was in my mind. And uh, we played Celtic on the Friday. Uh, Celtic scored within a couple of minutes and I thought, oh, Jesus, here we go. Uh, tough game now. And Then our young kids started to play. And all the kids were outstanding. woolly Miller played in the back, the A-team, like he always did, and was outstanding. So we won the game, three-one, but I still stuck by my thoughts that we're going with a semi-final team.
0: Do you remember the? Obviously, normally in those situations, you know, if, if any of the young boys weren't playing in the final, you know, they just found out when you announced the team for the final. But given it was Willie Miller, I'm sure you That's know
2: a separate conversation in itself. Yeah, I would have
0: told him um, privately or in advance.
1: Uh, it was. Difficult thinking about it, to be honest. You know, building, build we wouldn't have done that without conferring with Roy. He was, he was uh deserving of that, you know, more than deserving of that. We, after that, the Friday night game, and that was, the minds were made up then. I never, I never varied from that, that thinking. But I still I still at that stage couldn't say to Willie that uh he wasn't he was not going to be in the team in the starting line up because it would have been unfair he was battling for months to aiming for the game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was wanting him as much and you would never have known what'd happened in your training sessions anyway, build up to the game. So So I couldn't. So on the Friday we were down again in Glasgow. And uh we had a we had a evening meal as we normally had, on Friday, and then I was with joking and drew, and I said, "You'll have to excuse me, I'm going to uh, arrange to meet Willie at eight, 8 30 or something up in the up in his room, a room with Alec." Actually, so I went away up to speak to him, and Alec was uh, in the room and asked Alec to to excuse us a wee ten minutes and which Alec did. And, well, he was lying on top of the bed, you know, in the, the twin beds and these uh, rooms and TV in the walls in front of each bed and he was lying in the bed watching the television. Uh, and I had to admit this, there was, wasn't an easy uh, door to open and go in and uh, express myself. Wish but I did. I went in and uh I asked if I could have a word with Willie. And obviously it was an experience of, of man team. players know, they get a feel, you know, that mm-hmm. that he's uh, just not gonna make it, you know. So anyway, I, I said to him that I never thought that I would I can remember the words, I, I never thought I'd be sitting saying to you, Willie, that the game tomorrow. Uh, um we're going to play you in the final. I'm not going to play tomorrow. Yeah, you tomorrow. Know, and they've uh, worked hard to try and get there, but going, I'm going to go with the same team. And I did, and I also said to him, and I'm not going to patronise you, Wally, either by asking you to go on the bench. Because first of all, I don't think that it would be fair to do that. And I don't think the amount positions we needed from the bench, it would be fair to you either. And Wally, as usual, straightforward. And I said, you're the manager, you, you have to make the decisions. And, uh, he was very quiet about it. He was very good about it. Very dignified. And, uh,
0: he accepted that. Sorry, sorry Alex. Sorry. I was just oh, going to go, just gonna say that obviously it ends up being a move that you look back on in hindsight as... I'm not going to say fate because obviously you've seen Brian Irvin play. You know that he's a great player. You know that he's a great defender first of all but it's fate in the sense that who should be the one that should be tasked with scoring the the winning penalty at the end of the day. Um, Brian Irvin, the player that comes in to Replace this, you know, supernatural figure in Willie Miller.
1: Yeah, that was quite a coincidence, actually. Yeah, we're not when it panned out like that, you know. And penalty uh, kicks, you know, and I, I, before the game, Ryan, I was against penalty kicks. It was a new rule, and I spoke out against it. I said it's not football. And uh, when the penalty kicks, when it went to penalty kicks, and, and to add to that, Charlie had been offered terms for his old club, Celtic. Billy McNeil was the manager there, and he had failed to get into Europe, as, as I said to you. He wanted to get some players in, and they, they came back for Charlie. So Charlie had agreed, pre-contract, go back to Celtic. This was this was known a known fact weeks before the top final came round. Now we had decided to go with a team that played in the semi final. That was going to be the team. Regardless. I had Charlie playing in this one. But I know Charlie and I've known Charlie knew Charlie for a long time. I knew him because I knew his wife, she was a still in girl. And I knew, and I knew it wouldn't affect him. He's that guy with personality. He's got that kind of personality that uh, he could handle that. He could handle the the fifty odd thousand people that were there. Uh, I didn't think it would be that way. He would have to handle it. But I knew in the game itself, he would he would do his utmost for Aberdeen to win, despite the fact that Celtic had to win that game too to take them into Europe. That was another one that they could win to get in. When it came to the it came to the, 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 the Pelley Cakes uh, well we didn't have the five chosen we didn't do that with our players because we had players who were outstandingly good and we had very good players so, Jockey and Drew and I, we decided, let the, let the players decide on the day if we go to penalties Because so we were confident we we're, were the player. And uh, the Jockey and Drew were down the sidelines, I was in the stand, and Jim Bet was the first one. Um, I've, Neil Snelders was the second one, I think. Robert Connor was the third one. Fourth one was Brian Grant. And Brian was, was a younger one in the team, and he was, he was a shyer boy than the rest of them. And uh, the, he missed his. The Celtic had missed the second one. The fullback would do what his name was. He. he, he missed the target, first one, down the low of the post. And the first, Ed Charlie was the fifth. He was going to be taking us in to a sudden death because we were a penalty down going into the house penalty. He was the fifth penalty cake taker. And all I thought, oh, Jesus, he's going to Celtic. This is massive.
0: <laughs> he's going to lump it right in the stand. <laughs> this
1: is, could you imagine? He's going to Celtic. Trying to qualify for Europe That showed you the kind of professional he was Despite the fact he was a joker Mm -hmm. He was a true professional, Charlie He was a tremendous player And he had this decision to make Walking up to take that penalty kick That if Bonner saves it Or if he knocks it over the bar Or by the post Celtics in Europe and he, and he put it in the top corner. And all the penalty kicks up to that stage had been well taken. Because I was up against, I was against penalty kicks, I was becoming kind of just a bit unsettled about it. I was, I was in slightly disillusioned to the fact that we were taking the penalty to win a cup final. That we were drawing with them and going into the final five. They were standing in a queue down in front of the jockey and Drew's dug it in that side of the field. And Big Alec was next. Big Alec was strode up. The manager usually there's A big chest, big <laughs> idol it was. Legend. Stuck on a fantastic pelican. As if it was just holding up the park.
0: Alex has told us, from his perspective, what it felt like, and his um, recollection is slightly different <laughs> to yours, I would suggest.
2: Yeah, I think Alex's version of events was... It was, it was sweary. Uh, yes. Are, are you feeling confident? <laughs> no, but there's nobody else left, so <laughs> I bet it's my turn. <laughs> 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 and
1: while I read this, Alex, once I read the script, I was looking at the line that was left, you know, because Alec went and he done. The, he done a bit. Captain. He's captain on the day. He roasted her. And then the next one after him was Stuart McKimmy, who was an outstandingly consistent player. Didn't score many goals. Any goals he did score, they were 20, 25 off his something. I mean, I'm scoring one at Dyncastle that at distance. That was the kind of goals he scored, or maybe a header. He's going up to take a penalty kick. I'd never seen him take one. And he goes up. Stuart. And again, another... Not a a, a loud guy. You know what I mean? I goes up. Top corner. we're going here. We're tying it up with Celtic again. David scored the penalty. The next one... Was David Robertson. No, David. David... He would never could have... Imagine that David would have the confidence and swagger to go up, and and he he went up. But I thought he's got a great left foot, and if he hits it through and hits it well, Paddy will not get it, you know, because he was a great hitter of the body David. Well, if you've seen the photograph, have you seen the film filming? He kind of half missed, kicked it, and kicked it straight in front of him. And Putty Bonner dived to his right. And David kicked the ball right in the middle of the goal, almost. If he had stood still, he would have got it. He they kind of half, half missed it, David. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was so relieved when he voted in the net. So that was one that was, oh, at that time, it's 7-7 seven, seven or eight eight eight. So the next one, the next Bentley kick, Young Graham Watson. O'Brien. Now, every time for the sixth pentley kick onwards, I looked at the Q. Brian was a step further back. <laughs> so I was reading his mind. He's gotten back the way. The other ones are going in, grabbing the ball. Graham Watson. 18 year old boy. Third, first, third or fourth, first in year probably. Got finer recovering from a, a bad injury he had and he goes up quite confident walks oh, up a, a typical young player in metal as well uh, he can't be fair anything if you were brought up in metal <laughs> but he's, he's walking up there and he puts on the spot takes two steps by the, by the way take another step by the way I'm saying there talking to myself takes another step back the way it goes forward slots it up the top corner up the right hand side again similar to Alex's one similar to Stuart McKinney's one so it's down to the OK Canal actually <laughs> we're left we for Big Brian and near left uh, Anton Rogan boy Anton Rogan he was a good player the boy and lad but he wasn't a fully confident boy on the park, be honest. But anyway, he he was up, and this is this is the bit here. He I, I, he struck it, and people say he missed it. Well, I didn't miss it. Theo Snelders had a wonderful save. It was down low on the left-hand side, of the post. It was very very close to the post. It was probably it's a probably hardest area for a goalkeeper it's to save, and he's right down and it's and it's a hard shot. It's well struck in the corner, heels across the goal, and knocks it to the side. And we've won the penalty, shootout, ninety or something, I think. It was a wonderful feeling then, and I was I was asked after the the game. Uh, uh, about the game and how it went, and it was a it was a tactical game. We had to play the we had to play the game in a tactical fashion. If we'd have left it wide open and had a real goal, Celtic would have probably caught us on a counter at some stage. We asked Brian how he felt when the penalty time came for him. And Brian was a kind of born-again Christian. He's a brother and boy. He says, I knew, I knew that the big man was with me step for step. And I knew I was going to score the winner for Aberdeen. And the press all, oh, that's that good, a good line.
2: That's <laughs> how we talk, that's right, that's how we yeah, talk. I that's say, a good line.
1: <laughs> I, I says, Brian, listen. You're praying. You're saying you're praying going up to the penalty. Yeah, I was talking to I And what about the 52,000 Celtic supporters that were praying along with you? <laughs> that was some odds you go. <laughs> One guy praying. Oh. And there's 52,000...
2: <laughs> praying for you to miss.
0: <laughs>
1: praying for you to miss.
0: Let's move on slightly then to the 1990-91 season. Obviously, what we've talked about is the 1989 Cup Final, the 1990 Cup Final, where things, you know, things the the big dramatic situation turned out in the Don's favour. Obviously, in May 1991, the fateful day didn't go didn't go the right way. What do you remember about the the loss at Ibrox? Where ultimately, I oh, hate
1: talk, talking about uh, that game there. Uh, it was one of the most amazing periods, I would think, in Aberdeen's time. It was certainly one of the most amazing periods I was asked to come through. In that season, we, we, we the couple of seasons before that, we had chased strangers all the time. Yeah. Trailed them. Couldn't even. We got, got past them a couple of times, talked the league, then lost the league again, lost the talk the league again, and chased again. And we got to February or March that year, and we were trailing Rangers somewhere, I think, about nine points. And remember, it was two points a win then, a point of draw, and we were chased them Rangers had been buying big again and were very, very strong. But uh, we we had on the games where we 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 went a couple of games and I guess and his team's done well. Has scored convincing results. Rangers something happened to them. They and somewhere in the Scottish Cup time, when the Cup tie come around, around about the, the third or fourth round of the Scottish Cup, Rangers were drawn to play Celtic at Parkhead, and they were also the week later. They were due to go back to Celtic Park to play them. I'm not sure whether the Cup tie was first or the league was first, but they had two games to play. At Celtic Park, we had a game at for and you'll remember it we we played them at Petaudry and it was just at the start of the run we were on and we beat Rangers 2-1 Hans Hillhouse House scoring the second goal one and goal, from a David Robertson run and cross in the final minute now we win that game and we got the two points which brought it down I think from 11-9 or 97 whatever it was And it brought it down to that. Uh, So, Rangers had to go to Celtic Park. So, the following week, I think it was the Scottish Cup ties, Rangers lost the Scottish Cup tie to Celtic at Parkhead and were due to go back the following week in the league. And they lost to Celtic at Parkhead the following week as well. So, they lost their game. Went another game, won that one, then lost to two Celtic games. So, then there was stuff coming out of Liverpool. The manager had left and there was stuff coming out of Liverpool that soonest could be their new manager and that soonest could be leaving Rangers. We had about five games to go, six games to go. We won our next game. And we we had went up to the last game of the season taking twenty three points from twenty four. Now that's two points a game, remember? So mm-hmm. That's 12 games we had came in this run and we were closing the gap. We're closing the gap. Rangers were starting to wobble a bit. So anyway, we get through these series of games and we're closing the gap. The second last game of the season, we've got St. Johnson at Pitaudry. Rangers are one of our first we beat St. Johnson 2 1 in a tough game, in a hard game. It was a really hard game to win. Fans were going crazy. Rangers were playing Muddle for Pat. They were losing two nothing in Motherwell. Half an hour to go or something. And then we do be having it, we strike at Motherwell, hit a raker in the top corner to make it three nothing. Which meant we could go to Rangers. If we don't, if we don't lose our last game, we've won the league. The goal difference coming. We had a better goal difference in Rangers. And Patodre went mad that night. The fans were going crazy. The town was going crazy. They were all out in the city in the night. They were going to be the champions. All at the beginning of the week, the whole place the press was on the go. And I kept saying, calm down, just calm it down a little bit. We are going to play the league champions on their own midden in the Lions' den. We are going to have to have everything go for us. We are going have all the breaks, all the national papers were all on about this game coming up on Saturday. And they were giving it big lets about coming down and playing this, this big, big decider. And the build up to the game became
2: The kind on of a life of its own almost.
1: Ah, uh, it was on a life of its own. And we went down and at Ibrox, they were building the fourth the big third tier, the big stand, regression area at the top. The way dressing room was to be used by Rangers. And we got photocabins in the in the area just inside the tunnel. Uh, and that was an all part of that build-up to that game. So I had two port-a-cabins joined together as my dressing, and I had a out up the middle of it, as you know, that they they're quite long. So your players, some players are down here, some players are up here. It's not like the normal rectangle dressing. So that was happening. the crowd. Rangers had 53, There were 33,000 people at the game, I think. And we're all on the ground. They were singing from one o'clock in the day. We arrived and our bus was mobbed when we were trying to get into the front door that I brought. And it was, it was so... It was like an old firm game, only worse. Because the what was at stake was so high. And Rangers actually, Walter, as soon as I left to go to and then they managed to prize Archie Awafe, Manchester United, who was an ex Aberdeen man, who knew Aberdeen, knew the club and how they saw And that, I don't think that helped us either, because he knew a lot of the players. So we had a massive game, and we were completely. We were running the show at Ivory on day. We were comfortable. We were we were we two great chances to three great chances to score. We didn't do it, and one goal would have done it. We lost the goal in the minute before half time, which was a good looking goal for Rangers' point of view. It was a bad goal for our point of view. And Hayley scored, of course, who had been involved in a melee with Michael Watt and floored him and knocked him out. If he'd about it, he was allowed to stay in the field that was 10 minutes into the game it was a man's game, it was a tough game everybody knew it was going to be a tough game so we were not like crying over still Milk or anything, mm-hmm. it, just, it was just happened that way and then we made, we made a 10 minutes into the second half at half time I'm saying don't worry about losing that goal we score one goal we've come here, if we score a goal we came here, if we scored a goal early we were going to win the league if we go into the second half and we score a goal, they'll, they'll go like snow off a day. We're going to win the game. Crowds man, you we'll. mad. But we allowed them to score 10 minutes into the second half we a mistake that was made. And uh, it ended bitterly disappointing for everybody. But you see that team that team got no credit whatsoever for going twenty four points, twenty three points, twenty-four, beating Celtic, beating Rangers, being all these teams in the running. To get their point they were playing for the league championship one game in the Lions then. And they were never accorded any real credit for what they gave that Scottish Premier League that season. It was the most exciting end of the season I've ever had. Just to get on even points with Rangers at that particular time in Harvard industry was very, very difficult. They were able to buy millions of pounds of players. We were dealing in Holland because we could deal and handle the kind of money. We were buying equally as good players as they were. And we had equal as good players within our club. And I was proud of that group of players. I was proud of my management team. I was proud of the supporters how they handled themselves in such a hostile uh, atmosphere. I was sad for the supporters in Aberdeen. I was sad that we didn't we didn't follow it through and win the league. And I'll tell you another thing. People say that the losing of that game, the game that affected Aberdeen the following season, that is a lot of nonsense. What affected Aberdeen in the following season is that Alec McLeish injured his big toe in the pre-season trip we were at, to Bermuda or someplace, and we never got ready. And he never played one single game for Aberdeen that season. Other in a game at Ten Castle, where Hats were riding at the high at the top of the league in January, just before I left Aberdeen, and we cuffed them four nothing. Chess was magnificent, and that had more effect. We also lost David Robertson to the Rangers in the summer of that season. We also lost Charlie. they mentioned uh, that. We also didn't get ever get Willie back. Willie was a coach with me. And we had lost Bill Simpson, but that was a wee while before that. But we had lost players of that kind of calibre.
2: I guess Jockey's influence too, because obviously he got the opportunity to go back and be his own man at Dunfermline. That's that's a big part of it as well, I guess, when you look back all these years later.
1: We lost the Miguel so I think. And we lost late in the game at Pataudry. And a tough, tough game with them, And then we went over and we lost 2-0 in Follard. Jockey came back and then by the weekend a couple of days after that he intimated he wanted he was a mission being a manager Jockey he had been a manager at Dundee and doing reasonably well at Dundee we drew and I I, I coaxed him to come to Aberdeen he had a great job at Aberdeen He, he did a lot of the coaching he was involved in a lot of the decision making with me Although I was always it became a final decision I would make it, but he was still missing the feeling of being the manager of the club, the prestige of being the manager of another premier club, the build up to the games, the actual games, the control of the team. Didn't have the control of the team at Aberdeen, and he was missing it, and he was approached with them firmly. I, I didn't want him to go because I didn't know he was going for people like Jim Bett Alan McLeish and Stuart McKimmy uh, to, to, to Don Ferman who were third ball in the league and had players that uh, played in that level of that league so he, was, he wasn't going to be coaching the same quality player as he was coaching Aberdeen and all the young kids that we brought in we brought five or six very 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 good players
0: that and that's it, folks. That is Northern Goals' two-part interview with former Don's boss, Alex Smith, at an end. Hopefully, hopefully, if you're a fan of Aberdeen, we've covered all the, the points that you wanted to know about. I think we've touched on the, all of the major talking points, all the major moments in Alex's Don's Rain across what was about three hours um of recording with myself and Paul and Alex um on the phone from Australia. We didn't quite um get through everything we were gonna ask Alex about because um uh two weeks in a row he exhausted the memory card on the recording device we were using with his various stories so we we didn't quite get through as much as we would have liked on his his Aberdeen departure but I think there was enough there to sort of sum up uh, why Alex felt things didn't quite go to plan in the 1991-92 season the season he left Petrodri apologies to the Ross County fans that we never got on to his spell with the Staggies there just wasn't enough time maybe one day down the line we can revisit that period of Alex's career if he's up for doing so But yes, if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email any questions or queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this week. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.